0: cast.
2: On this episode of Missing the Point, Sean is back with a vengeance as he rails against the Boston Celtics, as the C's stumble further and further into mediocrity, and whether a change as the head coaching position is the ultimate solution for the Celtics' woes. We'll also discuss if a certain recently released NBA player can bring some much-needed attitude to a young, talented Celtics squad, now featuring two NBA All-Stars. We'll also touch on the thriving Boston Bruins, and if, even with one of the league's best record they can still be trusted when it comes to playoff time, this... Is Missing the Point, episode 41, but it's all relative.
1: Hello and welcome into this week's episode of Missing the Point. My name is Joe Malkin, I am your host, and I'm joined tonight by the man who has we didn't even know where he was he just disappeared and then told us he came back he spent a little time away and maybe he'll talk about it maybe he won't but Rayshon Buchanan welcome back and Mike Marcangelo is also here with us and of course we have our EP Craig DeLisandro. so guys welcoming to this week's episode of Missing the Point we have a lot to touch on last week the guys talked about the Celtics. Unfortunately, Rayshon was unable to be there, so we're going to give him his due tonight. We'll also touch on the Bruins, but there's been some an interesting move in the NBA that we also want to get to that I think Mike is very interested in getting to. So guys, let's kick it off here and, and start talking about these Boston Celtics. They're 15 and 15 coming into Tonight's game we're recording on, on Tuesday night, and they are currently leading the Dallas Mavericks 56-55 at the half as we be, begin recording this episode. So, guys, 15-15, and 15, and they seem to have a tough time getting up for games, and let's start there. What has been the problem here for this team so far?
2: Yeah, for me, it's. I think we talked about it a little bit last week. It's a matter of... It doesn't feel like they believe in their coach. They don't listen to him. They don't believe in, it, in, in what he's preaching. And that's on them a little bit. But re- in reality, like if you lose the room, that's on you, right? Like So Brad Stevens has to figure it out, has to figure out how to get these guys going. And then when he gets them going, for the love of God, can you just hold on to a fourth quarter lead? We're 30 games into this season and I am so sick of, 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 of being up by 18, 20, 24 in the fourth and losing. It, like it, you, you can't do that. And if you do that more than once or like once or twice, fine. But in 30 games, if you do that five times, that's indicative of the fact that you are a bad basketball team. Like or or you're just not a good one. I'll say that. Maybe they're not bad, but they're not good. They're not championship level. So for me, I think it starts and ends with Brad, and like he needs to figure it out. He hasn't figured it out yet. And I guess we'll we'll see if he does.
1: Ray, you've had some very strong words for the uh, Celtics head coach, stronger than G. Willikers over there at the Garden would give himself. But what do you think of Brad Stevens' performance this season?
0: Well, I mean, I have to preface this by saying. I used to be a supporter, right? You know, I was someone that was like, "Man, you know, Brad is doing a great job." You know, especially with those teams that really overachieved in his first three or four years, and then all of a sudden, you know, they've got some type of prosperity. I've had, you know, had some real expectations, and he's failed. He is someone that is a good coach, and that's why I'm pissed off. I'm not pissed off because he's a bad coach. I'm pissed off because you're an actually you're actually a good coach, and you can't get these guys over the hump. And it's been like that since the the 2017, 2018 year. You have not one, but two All-Stars now, right? Really three of you count Kemba. Yes, he's not an All-Star this year, but he's been an All-Star for four years in his career. So you have three guys that have been All-Stars, three guys that can get you 20 or more a game, and it's on him at this moment. And, you know, Mike wants to put it just on Brad, and I get that. And trust me, this I mean, I would say 90% of Celtics Twitter, Celtics fans are putting it on Brad. And I think it's the easy take to make. We got to aim this shit at Danny i I'm sorry like you can I don't understand how you could come into this year thinking okay well we lost Hayward and you know we really haven't found a replacement for Horford we didn't find a replacement for Kyrie I mean I mean technically you know Kemba coming in was that but you know you had you had so many guys on this roster that you really haven't found a replacement for so at what point do we turn to turn to you know the pitch for a crew back to to Danny H because you're telling me that you thought you were going to win with Carson Edwards, Tremont Waters, you know Taco Fall. Who and I'm sorry, DK. because you all, you know you want him as a mascot. Man, the hell with the mascot. Chair for me. Chair on the couch. Do like me. Chair on the couch. I, I don't need Taco Fall taking up, you know, a, a roster spot and just ask to see the court unless they're in a the blowout or they're getting blown out. So I'm not here for that. Danny is used to reconstruct this roster, not next year, today. So that's where I'm at. But like I said, Brad. Does need to get it together, but I also put a lot of the blame on Danny Ainge as well. well.
1: let me put this out there in the ether for both of you. And we've talked about this in the past, and, and it's almost as if there's a power to me, it's almost as if there's a power struggle without there being a power struggle. And what I mean by that is when Brad Stevens was brought in to be the head coach of the Boston Celtics in 2013, to me, the idea was. We're going to build from the bottom, build with youth and develop players like he did at Butler, right? That's the kind of coach everyone saw him as, and then there's Danny Ainge who for the 10 years prior to Brad Stevens coming in as the head coach, he was going out and getting the Ray Allens, the Kevin Garnettes of the world, right? So when you mentioned Al Horford, when you mentioned Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, what's interesting is I would say of those three guys, the one that worked the best was Al Horford. And he's also the probably on that list He's number three in terms of overall talent to me. Not this is definitely not definitive at all. And and in terms of how big his name is, he he's number three on that list. They thought that Gordon Hayward would work because he was. Brad's guy at Butler and they wanted to bring in a guy like Kyrie who we've seen the lasting effects of Kyrie. I, I Mike has said this before. We've seen the lasting effects of Kyrie with Jalen Brown and really with just about anybody that was here during that Kyrie Irving time. So I think there's a power struggle between the two guys at the top, the head coach and the general manager, where they're trying to make two styles of team building and basketball on the floor work and it just isn't.
2: Yeah, I think – so I think like when you look at the totality of what Ainge has done, let's say like since, since Doc, right? I think he hit on Al Horford and he needed to because that was a, that was your first Max guy in a long time that's ever come here. But he also hit on IT. Like he he has done pretty well supplementally throughout this, right? I don't blame him for Hayward at all because you just can't forecast that first game, that freak injury. Ray knows a little bit about something like that. And you don't know like what that's gonna do to you long term, right? So, Kyrie, I think you know, 10 times out of 10, if you have the chance to sign him, you do it. And you just figure out if it's gonna work. It didn't. I mean, and I think that you know, what we're seeing now is you know, Jalen and Jason, like this is their team, but they still need a ringleader. And I think really any two young, amazing players do. Like Jordan didn't win his first until his sixth or seventh year, right? Or sixth year with Scotty. LeBron didn't win until his ninth year. So, like, I think we in Boston, because of, of the success of other teams, put the Celtics on this trajectory. Like, they made it to the Eastern Conference finals. Like, they, sh- they should get there. And yes, they should get to the finals, uh, the regular finals for sure. But I'm not expecting a championship out of them this year. I just want them to, to actually contend and to show me that they've learned from the past. Meaning, if you're up in a seven-game series against the Miami Heat in the fourth quarter, every single game, you better win that
0: goddamn series. That's all I want from this team. It's not about the path they've taken the last few years. It's, they're a 17-time world champion. This is expected in the city for that franchise to win. We have been the New York Yankees of the NBA. Is that simple? So that's why people expect yeah, to but win.
2: Not recently, dude. Like back when they were back with Yeah, but, but even
0: even with the Yankees, bro, like yes, they they're the 27-time world champions, right? 18 of those came before 1962. No one was around with Whitey Ford and and Yogi Berra and Joe DiMaggio and those guys. Like once again, I'm not, you know, I'm <laughs> ten minutes in, and I'm already going in the rabbit hole, but we're not. I'm not going to get into that. But <laughs> you know, I'm looking at Joe right now. But no, but it's just like no, like there, it's an expectation for them to win. Whether you thought, what do you think they're going to win is a whole other story. But it's an expectation for them to win. And you know, cause I, I want to go back to what something that Joe just said a few minutes ago. He was saying about Kyrie leaving a lasting effect. Well, the only people that's left from that that era, those two years, are Rob Williams, Jason Tatum, and and Jalen Brown, Marcus. So, Smart. oh, and Marcus Smart. Right, sorry, my bad. So, he's the longest ten years. I think my bad, forgot about that. <laughs> so, it's just like, are we? So, are we saying to get rid of them then because they're it's the lasting effect and he's done? You know, he left such. a. He, he's been gone for two years. He's been gone. So it's, not, it's not. like. It's not like he's still. He's been gone for two years. So, at what point do you get over it?
1: To clarify what I said. Hmm it's not a bad thing. Kyrie has, has had good effects on teammates in the past. And sometimes his negative antics leave positive effects. But he was here when those two, when two of those guys, two of those four guys you just named were rookies. They they were rookies the, the, the year that they played in the NBA with Kyrie and, That is going that kind of a player, that kind of transcendent human being, because regardless of how I feel about him, what I think about him, that is what he is. He's outspoken. He's a great basketball player. He's a really interesting human being that is going to leave a lasting effect. So, no, I'm not saying get rid of those guys, though. A lot of teams would like to have those guys. But but you you are absolutely right that Danny needs to build this team. But. Again, I think Danny and and Brad need to get on the same page, or we need to go down Mike's rabbit hole of if that's not going to happen, without a doubt, change the head coach over the GM in this situation. Generally, I go towards the GM. In this situation, I would go towards the coach. But then I would ask Mike, who? Who comes in? If you want it it done mid-season, who comes in? And if not, who comes in at the end of the year?
2: Yeah, I, I think that's a very interesting question. I'm going to answer it, but I, I first just want to go back to your point about the lingering effect of Kyrie, because I think that they're like when you say that, people instantly think it's negative, right? I think if you look at his Celtics tenure, it was not great. But if, what those two can learn is a that is how you command a, a room and a team. Like I want to be like him and, and have that clout. Perfect. And I think when they brought him in. That's when the there was an instantaneous shift from uh, shift from this team being underdogs to actual contenders. and you want to keep that going, right? So for so I think you can learn a lot from him. I think that when it's all said and done, Kyrie being here will probably end up being better for the Celtics in it, than it would be bad. But as far as a coach, I mean names, I don't know, right But we've thrown Bobby said this a lot on on, on this show and I think he's right. Brad Stevens feels like the Mark Jackson before Steve Kerr, right? Now, if the Celtics can get to the level of winning a championship, sure, maybe Brad can break through that ceiling. But for me, and I said this, you know, a few weeks ago, I'm now starting to think that because Tatum and Brown have not had a coach like Doc Rivers, who is used to coaching all-star players, right? Right. Maybe it's hindered them. I think Brad is the perfect guy to develop and nurture. But now, what we see, and what Ray and I have been going at each other for like the last eight months, he doesn't really know. He doesn't really know how to handle stars. So you need someone that knows how to do that. I think if this is what we're going to see from the Celtics, if they end up this season thirty-six and thirty-six, or like forty and uh, and thirty-two, we have a problem, right? Because the talent level on this team, just in your starting five should give you 45 wins for like, just you should be able to just write that down. No matter what that's your floor. If you can't hit that it's coaching. And for me, if Danny Ainge is blame for this season, but Brad Stevens could take a team that had it that had Kelly Olenek to the playoffs.
0: You, like you can't have it both ways. You know what I mean? No. So I, I think honestly, and I'll, I'll give a name, right. Just, you know, contact purposes, you know, can't have enough of that, but I'm going to, I'm going to go with Sam Cassell. You know, he played in the NBA 14 years. He was on the 08 Celtics team. So he's played in the city, you know, he, you know, he hit some big socks and, and, you know, for that team in 08. So I think he's someone that's paid his due as an assistant. You know, he's been on the dock. He's been there with Ty Lue, and, you know, is he a little bit of a loud mouth and we're getting some people's faces? Sure. But that's what you need at this moment. And once again, he, he won three times. He's been in the NBA forever. And you know he he knows how to win, and I firmly believe that you know he's someone that's not afraid of the moment. You know he wasn't afraid of the moment as a player, and you know I think that would give buy-in right away. Danny knows who he is, <coughs> excuse me. You know, and he won't choke just like I did on on the show. <coughs> excuse me. So that's just how it is. So I think that Sam Cassell is someone that could come in and do a great job. And, and replace Brad Stevens if we're going to attach the name to it. But once again, most self favor fire Brad, give her the so-and-so. If you don't have a viable option, and I get it, we know, you know, dicks assholes. It's not your job. We get it. I understand that. But if you, if we're having a conversation, you don't know who to put somebody, you don't know who to put in there to stop bringing this shit up. Let it go. Well, see, and that, go. that's
1: the problem we have in so many sports, right? When Patriots fans and we've heard it, whether it's on radio media or social media in this town it's few and far between. But people are calling for Bill Belichick's job. And it's like, who do you want? So it's kind of the same thing with Brad Stevens to me, because Mike just said it. We've always said it. that We've been very consistent about that on this show. Brad Stevens is a good coach. We like Brad Stevens. Brad Stevens is a good developer of talent. Good. He is a he's not necessarily a player's coach, though, not necessarily in the NBA in college he might be but I think Mike and I don't want to put words in your mouth so I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna ask the question instead have Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown outgrown
2: Brad Stevens if this is what we're seeing if if the Celtics are truly this team that we're seeing this year and what we saw in the Eastern Conference Finals of last year then yeah I think it's over and I, I think that you know kudos to Brad he did something that that but other coaches didn't really want to do. Like we had a Hall of Fame coach here, Doc Rivers did not want to be part of a rebuild, right? And I held that against him for a long time. Still, kind of do. I think Brad was the right guy for that moment. What I'm what I'm learning now is, and it's just based off a of, you know scoreboard, is that he's not the right guy for this moment. So we need someone in here that is not afraid to get in Jason uh, Tatum, or, yeah Jason Tatum's face, Jalen Brown's face, Marcus Smart, to calm him down, to scold him after yelling at a referee after Peyton Pritchard hits a game-winning layup, right? Like, you need to keep the team intact. In you need a guy that is able to do that. So a guy like Sam Cassell, I think a guy, you know, even, again, I don't know what Mark Jackson's doing. What's he doing?
0: No, 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 no. I, I, yeah, Sam Cassell. Yeah, he, 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 yeah, Sam Sam Cassell. On, I mean, granted, he, he just signed with L.A., but I would have taken Ty Lue, honestly. I would have taken him, you know what I'm saying? Because My thing is, if you, if you can sit there and spar with LeBron and J.R. Smith and Kyrie in the same damn locker room, this would be a breeze.
1: Well, that's why I like Sam Cassell, because he was around – So many of those guys, you said, right? He was never the star, but everybody knows who Sam Cassell is. And he was always that guy that wasn't afraid to not only defend a teammate, but also get in the face of an an opposing player, but get in the face of of a teammate as well. I mean, he did what he had to do in order to keep things in line. And sometimes it would be nice to see Brad get angry and he doesn't. And that's, I don't know if people from Indiana just don't get angry. I I don't know too many, but, you know, I think where we're at right now is let's see if they can turn this around with 41 and a a half games remaining. But if if they can't and they, they go to the same spot and Ray gets very frustrated when we talk about the Eastern Conference finals, it's almost like. The the You know, George Carlin talked about the seven dirty words. That's like Ray's eighth dirty word is Eastern Conference Finals. So let's see what happens.
2: You know, for me personally, it sucks to be having this conversation, right? Because we saw Brad develop the, the amount of talent that he has so far. And for it to end, if it does end like this, where you were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year, you were a perennial playoff team the last three or four years. Now, we'll say 45% of the way into the season you're one game out of playoff contention. You are one and a half games ahead of the Miami Heat. That's where you are and they're in 10th. Right? So, like you just can't do this. So, if he turns it around, I think that speaks volumes. Like listen, if they somehow finish this season, again, quick math here, 48 and 24. That's a huge win. Like that's that means that he can take control of the room after starting 15 and 15 and and write the ship. But if you can't, it's time for him to go. Like, love you, mean it. Thank you for all that you did. But now we need someone who can actually corral the talent here.
1: Yeah, and it it wouldn't be a red mark on on the history of the Boston Celtics, right? Like, or the, Brad the, for that? Matter. Sure, w- without a doubt. And Brad Stevens will go on to maybe he'll work in another city as an NBA coach, or he's going to go back and get a very. And again, we're talking about it like he's out the door. He's not clearly, and we we don't necessarily want him out the door as a collective. But he, if he does go. He will go on to find a very high profile job at the college ranks, and he'll be very good at it.
2: One thing before you go, Ray. I'm just saying it right now. I hope Brad. I I hope they turn it around. I hope he's our coach for a long time. But if he doesn't, and if he is fired, if Houston does not give him all the money that he wants to develop all their young talent that's going to be coming in over the next five years, I don't know what they're doing because he's proven that he can do it. They have 19 draft picks in the next four years. Right, Brad's your guy to get you to a, a perennial playoff team, and you bring someone else in. Go ahead, Ray. Yeah, no, I mean that's that's perfectly
0: said. I, I think that we want him to do well, but I mean I, w- I was laughing as you said that comment about the four, you know the 48-24 cuz that means they would have to go 33 and 9. That's that's definitely not happening. But I mean, you <laughs> know that, that that's talk about a pipe dream, right? But you know, you know, but a brother can dream, you know what I mean? But I just think that this is this I think this is the worst record they've had since the 2014-2015 season. And you you know who got here that same year? Isaiah Thomas. Like it was just you know it was a little deal in February they made they sent a little late first round pick to Phoenix brought over it and instantly that team caught fire so you know what Danny maybe that's what you have to do it doesn't have to be a major deal but you bring in someone like a Terrence Ross so you bring in someone or you bring in someone that did that did that's gonna score like how it scored and you just take off. Obviously health is always the number one thing. So, I mean, that's, we're not talking about, we, we get that health is always the number one thing, but just making this a little minor tweak where you don't have to, you know, include Tremont Waters or include Carson Edwards and big time games as much as I love Carson Edwards. And I love what he did in Purdue. I thought he was going to be, you know, a player. Those guys are not NBA ready. They are not NBA players. They should be up in Maine. I bet Old Orchard Beach eating some crabs, you know, because I would love to join them. I'll get on the fall and follow them up that at Old Orchard Beach. But they do not need to be on the parquet floor on Causeway Street at the TD Gardens. It just should not happen. Sorry.
1: Old Orchard Beach Chamber of Commerce, not a sponsor, but now a friend of a show. Uh, yes, exact friend of the show. <laughs> so you, you talk about they the, you know what's going to help them turn it around. So Ray, you just mentioned an offensive help, but what about a defensive help? Because today the Houston Rockets released Boogie Cousins, and they are still going to have to pay him two point three million dollars as part of his guaranteed deal. But with that said, that's a big man who we know Brad isn't necessarily um, one to go after. Uh, but it if he's getting $2.3 million already from the Rockets, you would probably have to pay him pennies on the dollar to come here. So Mike, tell me why Danny Ainge should have been on the phone with DeMarcus Cousins agent five minutes after he was released.
2: Yeah, I think it makes sense for me to go first here. That way Ray can tell me all the reasons why I was wrong because he's a basketball aficionado. But for me, like the problem with the Celtics for me is not scoring. They can score. Right, they just can't stop anyone when it matters. So what what, what that tells me is now if it, if that is an indictment on the fact that the coach does not believe in big men, again, sorry, Brad, like you need to go. But if you can get Boogie for two million, right, because he's already owed two point three this year, and he has something to prove. Remember, he did not play last year because of his his ACL. So he still needs to prove that he is a versatile and viable big man in the NBA. So get him in here. And then again, in the fourth quarter, if you have a lead, you can put DeMarcus Cousins and Tristan Thompson or Robin Williams on the floor at the exact same time. Eliminate any notion of of scoring in the paint and maybe win some of these games. You're up by 18 to 20 points. So that's why I would advocate for Boogie.
0: So. I agree about bringing DeMarcus Cousins, but not for the same reason, right? So he's not a defender. He's not. Not now, anyways. Not not after the Achilles injury. So I feel like we're like two years too late, because I feel like the uh, 2018, 2019 year after he got released from New Orleans is when they should have jumped after him. Cause he still had some good games in that season, but then, you know, kind of got hurt again. So that, that was the pressing issue. But if he's coming here, you're getting a 610 Marcus Smart, and I'm not talking about from a defensive standpoint, I'm, I mean, you need something that's going to be nasty, right? And I've talked about that on the show before. You need some Demarcus Cousins is nasty, and he, he's going to be someone's like, Look, you come down the lane. I'm going to give you a little excuse me, elbow. (laughs) Hey, brother, you're going to think twice about coming down here again before I knock you on your ass type thing. That's what they need. So he's not going to be a passion one type defender. He's not going to be a raw Don't need that. Just need
1: somebody that can get underneath and preserve a
0: 20-point lead. Right. (laughs) Right. No, right. But I'm saying you just need someone that's nasty, though, down
2: there. Yeah, what they need is a guy that's going to make you think twice about driving in, right, and someone that over the last four years has averaged nine defensive rebounds a game. That's what you needed. Someone to get the boards, make a thing twice, and just play a little grittier in crunch time. And I think for me, and, and, and it all goes back to that second game against the Atlanta Hawks last week, right? When when th- when Daniel Tice and Robert Williams, and even like Tristan Thompson, they, they all had phenomenal games because the game plan was, it felt like it was around the bigs. And it worked, right? So they were still up 24 in the fourth, they won the game by 11. The two nights later they're up by 20 from the fourth and they lost in overtime, right? So focus, make, focus on bigs. And 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 I, and again, I love Daniel Tice. I, I think I love Robert Williams ceiling. But like we know what, what Boogie Cousins is, right? And and we know that people will think, like to your point, will think twice about driving to the hoop on him. So bring him in and let's see what he can do. Again, I'm not if listen, if he was owed no money and he was expecting six million dollars, no, but two? You call him, see what it will take.
0: Yeah, even a couple of years ago when he wanted five. I'm like, you're telling me we can't take a flyer for five million dollars, but then you still and then they end up giving you know and his cancer the same deal. And I was like, really? But I'm like, okay, but that's it, that to me was wild. But you know, because you, you know what he is right now? Because we had him a couple of years ago, and, and he actually played very well while he was here, well, at least for a few games, it was uh like Gray Monroe. Gray Monroe couldn't guard a part car, but he was a phenomenal passer, so was Boogie. He was a great rebounder. So was Boogie. You know, he was someone that the, that the guys loved. Tatum and Brown, those guys loved, they loved Gray Monroe. So, and, you know, Boogie's been a great teammate his whole career from what I've heard. So, you know, why not make it happen? So the Celtics sit uh, in sixth place in
1: the Eastern Conference at 15-15, and 15, half a game behind the Toronto Raptors and half a game ahead of the New York Knicks, which is sad because the New York Knicks are not a good basketball team. Well, you know what? You know, it's more I embarrassing
2: for actually the- I think the New York Knicks are a better basketball team than we gave them credit for, and the Celtics are playing like a worse basketball team than we expected.
1: Well, we, they're definitely worse than we expected to this point, because I think even the Eastern Conference team had them in fourth finishing, and I think we all kind of agreed that 3-4 spot was going to be where this team finished. And Right now, surprisingly, the 76ers are still up there in first, and, and not a, that big of a surprise, followed by Brooklyn, Milwaukee, and Milwaukee indiana and toronto and then boston so they definitely have some work to do to get to that spot that we expect them to be in because i have if the playoffs started today uh they would be playing milwaukee in the first round of the playoffs
2: yeah and if they're playing like they're playing right now that like that series would be over in five i think because yeah and that's an indictment on the Celtics. I don't think I don't think Milwaukee is great. I think the Celtics would be up by twelve points in every fourth quarter and fucking blow it. That's what I think. Yeah,
1: I mean, Ray, don't don't green team it on us. Like, let's be.
0: <laughs> well, I'm saying no, no, no. If, if, if you had said it against Philly or Brooklyn Webb in the first round, I'd have been like, yeah. Right, for, for, but I just my my thing is this is the same team. They're still beating Milwaukee early in the year. Like, I, I just I don't think. I don't like. I I don't think Milwaukee is that good. So I I guess that team we'd actually have a shot. But the Brooklyn's, the Phillies, and actually, actually, we talked about this early. Because you know, Mike has stumped me on this. Hell, if Indiana faced us right now, Indiana would beat us too. Yeah, that's just what I firmly believe. But Milwaukee, no. Is, they literally – is Giannis against five. That's literally how they Well, play. I
2: think Chris Middleton and Giannis right now are – I think if Middleton can do what you said he needed to do, if he can put up 20 a night or 25 points a night, then it's a problem because th- th- then there's 55 points coming from two people and you don't know what, what else to do. Middleton's been pretty good this year. So – but I think before we – because it, it kind of looked like you're going to transition, Joe. Before we transition, can we maybe just say that Marcus Smart's role in this team ha- is actually – I think it's that important because this thing that's been happening, he's been out, right? They don't have that true gritty guy, that true nasty guy that will go in and fight for you every single play. So I think if I was Marcus, like you never want your team to lose, but this is just proving how important he is to this team. You can't measure how important to have a guy like that on the court is
1: just real quick, this is what I talk about when I talk about uh, difference in philosophy between Danny Ainge and Brad Stevens. I feel like Danny Ainge is more of a an aggressive, he was an aggressive player. So he's an aggressive GM for the most part. I mean, he fleeces teams all the time. And then you have Brad, who to me seems passive uh, in a lot of ways. So you have players playing that style that the coach wants them to But naturally, they're just not that kind of guy. So I I just see it as like an oil and water situation where everything looks okay on the surface. But if you really look close, you can see that there's some kind of a split, whether it's in the locker room or even on the floor. And I'm not crying wolf or or hitting the the panic button here, but it, it just seems like there's philosophical differences And that's okay, because I don't think anybody's really upset with anybody on one side or the other. I mean, that's coming from me, who's not the biggest basketball guy. I shouldn't admit that. So just kidding. Yeah, I I just think there's a a philosophical rift between the the players the gm and the head coach that needs to be rectified they're four and six in their last 10 but however today i mean let's talk about these two guys before we transition on okay so tatum and brown are all-stars they were <laughs> so bad they were... they're
0: so bad oh god oh it's <laughs> so, so bad oh i'm having a breakdown right now jesus it's so don't bad have, okay don't have
1: a breakdown Let's talk about, let's talk about the all-stars. Let's talk about Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown and how they were named all-stars on Tuesday. And we'll be playing in that all-star game. Tatum just missed being a starter for the East. Correct. Real quick. We should talk about this all-star game. And I'm going to throw this out because am I the only one that thinks this entire situation is silly to bring the best players in the NBA to Atlanta? in the middle of a pandemic when we've already had other issues. And that is also one of the biggest party towns in the country. And these guys self-admittedly like to party. Am I the only one that sees an issue with this?
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm smiling because I cause I know I'm like, listen, I would I would be upset, too, if I couldn't go to Magic City and get some wings. I, I completely <laughs> understand. I totally understand. I, I, I get it. I totally get it. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, <laughs> haven't been to Atlanta in a while, but I, I totally understand. So, but I mean, no, it, it's not dumb. Like I said, you know, LeBron has spoke against it. Giannis has spoke against it. Honestly, I think Tatum is not really too hot on either, but, you know, he's still at the the stage of his career where it's like, it's still cool to be an all-star and still make that team. So, you know, and the same thing, you know, Jalen Brown's coming back to his hometown. So I'm pretty sure this is really an honor for him, you know? So, and from what I heard, I think I heard Kenji Perkins say it, I don't know if it was on the NBC uh, broadcast or on on the full-letter network, but he had mentioned that they basically, the players are getting flown in the night before, right? So they're getting flown in the night before, They'll be in the hotel doing whatever festivities and then you know they'll have the game Sunday and then they'll be right back to their teams afterwards So it seems like they're trying to mitigate some things, but once again that's what the players are really matter they're not they're they're not mad about us actually playing the game they're mad about you're telling me that we're bringing you're telling me that we're coming to and we're coming to Atlanta, Georgia and we can't be here for three or four days getting lit getting drunk, getting some chicken and waffles against you know we can't do that i can't go see adult entertainment unless it's on my phone this is a problem like so that's what they're really upset about no i I mean definitely not but i'm just saying like you know (laughs) no but like definitely not but i understand that's what they're really upset about it's like man like we can't do x y and z so they they just want to be restricted i I don't don't have the idea of being i don't know i i don't
1: know if lebron's upset about being restricted i mean lebron's a family man now he's upset about doing it in the middle of a pandemic and it's actually one of the i mean uh, uh, Le- lebron is lebron i mean he's one of the greatest of all time you know say what you want about lebron positively or negatively i kind of feel like I, f- I feel the same way about lebron as i do about tom brady not to open that pandora's box right now no uh, Joe. but i know but i do i i do i just think there's he needs to concentrate on what he's doing and he
2: right, does. not well, LeBron James built and funded a school You're Tom, absolutely
1: right. You're one, no, you're 100% right, but what I'm saying is that I to to get back to the point, I agree with LeBron James on this when he comes out and says that he has concerns about playing this all-star game. He said he has concerns about actually doing it, the process. So some guys may have a problem with not staying there for 3 3 or 4 days, but man, they you're you got to be responsible in a, in a situation like this. So, put you put your whole team and the entire league in question if you give these guys the ability to go out and and do what they want. And that's not an indictment on those guys because listen, I would do the same thing, right? But
2: that's just yeah. I think it's just misguided to have an all star game during during a pandemic. I think that like that's just it's just it. Like You you have to condense your season, but you're still going to include an all-star game, which doesn't make any sense to me. And I think for the players, like it, 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 they feel the same way. But for the fact of the matter, there is going to be one. You have two players on your team. Jason Tatum averaging 26 points. Jalen Brown averaging 25.5 points per game. You have a tandem like that that's putting up 51 points per game on average. It's where we... You know, I think if you go back to that Brooklyn trade, right, that Danny made and and gave away, you know, Paul and KG and got all those picks. Now you have this is what you have, and I think like it's a that that the trade ended up being a win for both teams. But kudos to Jason and Jalen. I think I have a negative thought about the All Star game because of what happened last year and Kemba. I think he was never the same after that game. Like he played that game hurt, and we know it. Everyone knows it. And then he was just out and gone and, and, and really hasn't been the same Kemba since. There have been flashes here. But, you know, I think it's great for them to be recognized as the best, you know, in their field. But for me, like this isn't this isn't a time to have an all star game. In reality, it would be really cool if they were like, Yeah, like we're not gonna go, we're gonna stay and, and like actually listen to to Brad Stevens for the next two weeks and, and learn how to play it. Basketball his way.
1: Well, they'd give the guys five days off. And that was one thing that LeBron <laughs> talked about is that they could take five days off and not have to be at the facility. So in, in, in theory, well, but in theory, you're
0: absolutely right, Mike. But I mean, you know, they, I, I actually have a theory though. So just for this season, cause obviously, you know, i hopefully, you know, things are closer to normal going into the 21, 22 season, but you know, only because if, you know, if Adam Silver and the rest of the NBA, uh, officials have said, hey, you know, we promised you guys that we weren't going to have an all-star game, you know, amidst the pandemic, you know, but then once again, players, I have to come back to y'all players. You guys agreed to this because you knew there was more money involved. Don't play them. Don't play the martyr role and come out here like, man, you know, it's a pandemic. I shouldn't be. A-. No, you're mad about not getting wings to seeing no dark entertainment. That's what you're really mad about. You want to get paid. and It's okay. That's fine. Just admit that. Be honest. But if I'm adding this over, if you want to save face, Why not say, you know what, how about after the season, those that were considered an all-star, why don't you come down to Atlanta after the season, after the regular season, or even after the finals, right? You just come down, we'll do like a weekend event in Atlanta, and you just go from there, because who knows, maybe more people have the vaccine, maybe we have other stuff in place that more protocols, and you do it like that for this year. But that's the only, that's the only grip they should have. But once again, the players, hey man, chill out, get off the high horse. You wanted to get more money, which is fine. I understand that. So shout out to Chris Paul and Kyrie and, you know, Jalen Brown, those that lead the Players Association, y'all wanted more money. You wanted more wings. You wanted more entertainment. I understand that. (laughs) That's true. The
1: Players Association. Ball
0: ball game. They did sign the contract for the All-Star
1: game. We're going to transition now away from the Boston Celtics. We're going to stay in the same building, though. We're going to pick the floor up. We're going to turn the temperature down. And we're going to talk about the Boston Bruins, who just played a game out in Lake Tahoe. But as Mike mentioned, not on an actual lake. It was just on the fairway of the 18th hole of the golf course. But the Boston Bruins are 11-2, 11-3-2 uh, and 2 in, in the Atlantic Division, uh, a division we thought was going to be harder. I didn't expect them to be 11-3-2. 24 points, first in the Atlantic Division. They're 7-2-1 and 1 in their last 10. And as I mentioned to Mike before the show, and he was like, oh, yeah, they're pretty good. They're 11-3-2. and 2. I said, well, that means they're actually really 11-5. and 5. But 11-5 and 5 is still good. That can win your division in the NFL, right? So, Mike, I- I'm going to let you leave it off with your thoughts on the Bruins here because they are having a good season overall
2: this is really tough for me right because you're sitting here at 11-3-2 and and before the season started we saw like how the play was going to be broken down and we we all said like this is going to be a really tough year so far they're doing great Tuca is playing out of his mind we have you know Pashinak and every everyone's doing their job. Like in, in, in that respect, you have Marshan leading the team with 20 points. Bergeron 19 points. Pashnak four. Like that's what you want to see. 16, you know, or nine goals for Marchand, seven for Bergeron, nine for Pashnak. That's great. Tuku's playing really well. So like kudos to them. But we want a president's trophy or would have won it last year, right? We also, we, yeah, we also won that, I believe, in 2014 or a couple of years ago. And what happened? The real Tuka Rask showed up in the playoffs. So for me, it's hard. And I, but so I'm like, we're trying to walk this line, right? They're, they're, they're just doing all the right things. They're 7-2-1 in the last 10. They're a plus 15-point differential between uh, them and everybody else. But I just know. I have this feeling in my gut that tells me that come playoff time, is going to have cramps. Poshnek's going to go do handstands in the north end and, and, or punch a wall and take himself out of it and not be where he needs to be or be the player that he needs to be. So, great. They're going to have a, a great regular season. Honestly, I said this before in the chat, and I'll say it again now so you guys can all hold me against it. I don't care if they go... Let's see, they're playing what 56 games this year, right? But I don't care if they go 51, 3, and 2. I still wouldn't buy them to win the Stanley Cup because of who their goaltender is.
1: Jeez, Mike, you're you're so negative. But I agree. I, I agree. Because you know Tuka Tuka's played out of his mind, Halak has played out of his mind. I mean you look at Tuka, he's seven, two, and one on the season. Yara Halak is, is four-one and one. They went out, they were having a blast. You know, it looks like they're clicking as a team. They went out, they went out to the West Coast, they show up in their 90s garb and they got the mullets going and they're having a good time. It was Patrice's idea, and they're really vibing right now as a squad, right? So the chemistry is good. Everybody's playing well, things are moving in the right direction. And it's but it's interesting. Watching these games, which has been tough, because while I do love YouTube TV, not a sponsor, they and Nessun could not agree on a contract. So the day that I switched to YouTube TV, they dropped Nessun. So, I mean, if, if this, if anybody from YouTube TV or Nessun is listening, I would really love to be able to watch all the games again. But following along with the season, it's been interesting to watch because they're above average, not great. It is really where I see this team. Defensively, they're having a tough time. Their right wing is not always strong. They've been bit with the injury bug the last couple of games, but they've, they've made it work. Granted, they have had no COVID issues of their own. They have played or been scheduled to play two teams, in, including Buffalo, where they had two games postponed because Buffalo had COVID issues. So they've had a couple of bumps in the road on that standpoint. But Mike, I can't totally disagree. I think the better barometer... For a season like this season, is that 2014 President's Cup trophy win? And the only reason is last year was such a weird year. And I think we've seen, whether it's been professional athletes, our own personal lives within our jobs, we've seen interesting, we've seen people with interesting mentalities and make interesting decisions and just do things that aren't necessarily in character because we're dealing with such an unprecedented time in our lives that. I I don't know if we can use last season as a good barometer, but when Tuka effectively abandoned the team and, and maybe we don't know the reason, and it probably was a good reason because now he's playing out of his mind and everybody seemed to have taken him back in. So I think there's a whole hell of a lot to the story that we don't know, but you're still right because he still crumbles under pressure of the playoffs. And I don't think this team is good enough from top to bottom to go ahead. So while you talk about the, some of the off ice stuff getting in the way and then Tuka's performances in the playoffs, I think the on ice team themselves doesn't necessarily have what it takes. And I hope that Bruce Cassidy isn't the issue. And we're having a a Brad Stevens conversation about the Bruins in 2021, 22, but I can't disagree, but right now they're playing so well, and they need to keep that up. And honestly, I think this trip outside of the Eastern time zone was great for them.
2: Yeah, I, I think. Listen, it's hard to say what I just said and it not diminish like what they've done so far. And I'm not trying to do that. No,
1: I, I'm. I i was not trying to say that you were. Either. No, no,
2: I, I know. But I, I'm like carrying it back. I'm like, well, you just kind of you just kind of sound like an asshole. But in reality, <laughs> like like Tugarask is two ninety eight two hundred and ninety eight wins one hundred and sixty losses in regular season it's pretty good right like that's really good in the playoffs hes fifty one and forty two so something happens something and that's not all his fault at all I, I'm not saying that at all i, I don't I blame. I think – I said it last you know, last year, but uh, on this show, Tuca makes all of the hard saves look easy and doesn't make any of the easy saves. That's just a fact. He does that the most in the playoffs. So for me, like what you need to see out of this team consistently, and for me, I mean, maybe the listeners out there are different and, and they can be swayed. I need to see the first line, and I need to see players like Marshan, like – Bergeron always shows up. I'll never, ever take anything away from him. You play with a, you know, a punctured lung or collapsed lung. But I need you need to see Pasternak step up in the playoffs. You need to see McAvoy stay healthy and step up in the playoffs. If those things happen and Tuca is still soft as shit, fine. You can still make a deep run. But I fundamentally believe that Tuca will be the reason why they never win a cup. Again, with Tuca as a
0: goaltender. Yeah, well, I'll chime in and add on to that. So, you guys are giving great analysis so far. To me, they're no different than the 2016, and 2017 Boston Red Sox, right? Team that has talent, team was going to win a division. And then, you know, when they get there, it's like, oh, David Price, you can't pitch. Chris Sale, you can't pitch. So now we're getting, like I said, so now those guys that you translate to the Pasha Knox, to well, like I said, Bergeron is, is always showing up, but there's other guys that need to be key players that haven't always done it when, when it's mattered most. So, you know, the first line has been what I said when we did our NHL preview show. That can be in the show notes, so you can listen back to that. The first line is still the best first line to me in all of hockey. Like, I'm, I'm not swaying from that. When you have, you know, you know, Marcia has been great. Bergeron has been great. You know, Poshni has been great so far. You know, Nick Ritchie has been a pleasant surprise too. I think he has 13 points on the season, six goals, seven assists, you know? So that's pretty cool to see. We do have a couple of defensemen that's in the minus when it come to plus and minus. So I don't know if that works the same way as it does in basketball, but if it does, mm, it means your defensemen suck. But I do know a guy that went over in DC, but we're not going to bring that back up this evening because I want to stay in a good mood until I go to sleep. So we'll, we'll let that go. But at, at the same time, that has, that has to change. And once again, Like Mike Mike said it, Joe said it, you know, Craig feels the same way too, even though he's he's not speaking, he's just listening to us. You cannot, we no longer are satisfied with doing well in the regular season. It's the same thing, you know, with the Celtics. Like this city, once again, from 2001 to now, if you want to say we've been ruined and we're the most spoiled fans, call it what you want. This was long before the 2001 era. So, and once again, especially with the Bruins, we've they've seen guys like Esposito. They've seen guys like Barbie Orr. They've seen guys like Terry O'Reilly. They've seen guys like Cam Neely. They've seen guys like Ray Bork, who wasted 21 freaking years here. And as soon as his ass went west to Colorado up in the Maha Mountains, his ass went with Patrick Wall. This is not something that we just woke up and said, well, they got to win. They got to do this. They got to find a way to get it done when it matters most. Like Mike said, 51-42. Guess what, Tuca? That means you medi- you're mediocre, dog, and we don't need we don't need that around here. If, if that's the case, put, put put me on the ice. Let me roll around. Once my ankle feels better, but <laughs> let me roll around and do and do what I can do. You know what I'm saying? Like maybe you know, maybe I could be the you know, maybe I could be the missing piece, right? this, this belly can hold a lot of different goals. I can move from a ninety percent. I can move from a ninety percent save rate. And that's where two because at. To maybe a ninety two or ninety three. Because ninety is is decent, but it's not where he should be. Like at a ninety two three or a ninety two five. You know, maybe or ninety three percent. Right. So that's where he needs to be. So not ninety is okay he's getting away for that because boston is like we're killing everybody for our scoring as we you know we just beat philly the other night seven to three so I, I get that but you know he needs to get to that 92 and 93 clip to be really elite right now he's just kind of he's coasting because we have a good team and they're scoring a lot but that he's it's gonna have to tip, uptick a couple of percentage points in order for him to be elite and for us to get to where we want to go which is the Stanley Cup
2: yeah I, I mean i just think you know for me you gave Tuka that huge contract so when you pay a goaltender $8 million a year. He can't be the reason that you don't win. Maybe he's not the reason that you win a cup, which is fine. You just can't lose it for us, right? You can't be the person or the thing that halts a playoff run. And for me, consistently, it has been him. Last year, for me, when he left, I know that there was a family emergency. I, I get it. That that, And I, I'm glad everybody's okay. Optics-wise, you should have canceled your tea time the day that you got back from into Boston the next day. You know what I mean? Like you can't show up and play golf. You just can't do that. It looks bad. It looks like you quit. Couple of that with the fact that he said he didn't want to be there. It was hockey in July or August, whatever it was. Didn't sound right. Guy's playing out of his mind right now. Let me ask you guys a question, Joe. I'll ask you, Joe. I know you're the host, but I want to ask you this question. Tuca's playing out of his mind, right? Just a great year so far statistically. You know, as Ray said, 901 save percentage, not great. 2.5 uh, goals against average, also not great. In nut-cutting time, you are down, or let's say you are tied 1-1. to Do you trust him to not give away that game in the playoffs?
1: No, I put Yara holokin in. But what coach is going to make that decision? Is Bruce Cassidy going to, in the third quarter of Game we 7 of the Stanley Cup, we we did, but so, so, but this is the fine line between who Tuka Rask and who Yarrow Halak are, right? Yarrow halak is a great middle reliever to to give to put it in in baseball terms. He, he can come in and eat up innings when the starter isn't getting the job done or or needs to come out because he's tired. And that's what Tuka is. Tuka is the starter. He's the entire starting rotation. For this Bruins team, he is playing out of his mind. He could play. He could be playing better. I also put a, a little bit of it on the defense. I think the defense has been lacking. And I think Ray already mentioned part of what it's lacking, and that's a little bit of senior leadership. But it is lacking something. I don't know if it's lacking someone, but it's lacking something. So, but what coach is going to make that decision? Sure, if it's one one. If I'm playing NHL 21 and it's the third period of Game Seven of of the Stanley Cup, and I look, and I know as a Bruins fan, all right, this is who Tuka Rask is. I have Yarrow Halak on my bench. I am putting Yarrow Halak in the game at that exact point because we know who Tuka is. And it's interesting because is Tuka not a glorified number two in a lot of ways? He's a great goaltender. We've already talked about it. His numbers in the regular season are incredible, and they uh, always have been. But when he was behind Tim Thomas and he was the number two, that was the bet, one of the best one-two tandems, it, 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 maybe this generation, but maybe of all time, for a team that went on to win a Stanley Cup. So I, I just, I, I don't know, I, I don't think I would make that decision if I were the actual head coach of the Boston Bruins, which will never happen, but I see where you're going with it.
2: Yeah, I I think for me, like, listen, Ray brought up a really good point about the defense, right? Is, you know, right now, like, their record is skewed by the fact that they they have such a a large positive point differential. They're just scoring a lot right now. Now, if that is maintained throughout the regular season and the postseason, all right, then maybe we have something here. But what we've seen from these Bruins teams before under Cassidy, right, is is Thanksgiving through New Year's, they're kind of 500, and then they take off to the end of the season, and then. A week before the playoffs, they kind of skid into it, and in the playoffs, they they have to, it's a dog fight in round one, and then they're out. They, like they or they make it to the cup and then they're just out finessed. So again, I'm not a puckhead. I'm not the biggest hockey guy here, but here's the here are the things that I know. If for this team to win a Stanley Cup, Tuka Rask has to play the way that he's played all year and not bail on the team, not mentally, not physically, not anything. He needs to be there and be present. Posternak needs to not be afraid to finish a check or take a check. He needs to be a physical presence as much as he possibly can be uh, out there on the ice, and the defense needs to hold up. If that happens, they're a Stanley Cup contender. My, my gut is telling me, though, that not all those three things will happen.
1: What blows my mind about it, too, in looking at the numbers, is that Posternak is already playing the way that you want him to play, and then he's expected to play in the way the entire city of Boston wants him to play. He missed seven games to start the year. He's third on the team in points. Yeah. I mean he's, he's that good. He's, he's tied. That good. He's that good. He's tied with with Marshand in goals with with nine, and he, he has five assists. But I mean, that's 14 points in nine games. You're absolutely right. I think they have a good thing going, and like we said, we don't want to diminish their success. Maybe there's a move for a defenseman at some point. Craig Smith has come in and done a job, three goals and four assists in 15 games. So so everything's clicking. They're playing well. I just think they're above average, not great right now because there's something missing somewhere. So I think that kind of answers our, our our other question. Actually, it kind of answers our last two questions there, Mike, of are they for real and will they fail? But let's ask that question to the room. I mean, what is their ceiling for the 2021 season? Now that they've returned from Lake Tahoe, they're playing well. They're 11-3-2. They're playing a 56-game season. So and they're going to play the same opponents the whole way through. What's their ceiling this year?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think so regular season-wise their ceiling is the President's Trophy. Right? I think that they're that good. I think I think I mean in a world where they're all healthy and there's like they're we're in a vacuum, right? So if everything is like it is now, yes, President's Trophy. Sure. Maybe the second or third round of the playoffs. Maybe. Because I just think, and again, I'll take a hit for this. I hope that they prove me wrong. Like, I really do. He's just not the guy. Tuka is just, he just will never, he will never be the guy that Tim Thomas was in 2011 that puts the team on his back and is the reason why you win a Stanley Cup. In my opinion, based on what I've seen. Yeah, but
0: you, you, just, you just said he doesn't have to be the reason. You say he can't lose it. So, I mean, my thing is, like, are you are you looking to get, like, a Lundquist? Are you looking to get a, a Patrick Wall to come through the door? Are you looking to get a Jonathan Quick? What do you look – I mean, are you looking for that type of guy to come in here? Because I'm like, you know, a Rick DiPietro, like, who are you looking for?
2: Personally, I'm looking for him to be Tim Thomas just for one series in the playoffs. Just for one series. Not an entire run. Win a, be the reason we win a series.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I, listen. I mean, at this point, like he he definitely owes us. <laughs> like I said, I do think they had a good chance last year, but obviously we know what happened. So, and you owe us from Game Seven a couple years ago against St. Louis. You know, at at the crib. You know, and you know you lose a Game Seven. You know, on on your home ice. So that's un, unacceptable. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, can't, yeah! Can't let it happen
1: for sure. One of my biggest concerns is looking back at last year when they went away on that break after COVID shut down everything. When they came back finally and they went into the bubble, they were out of shape. They were lazy, and, and they meaning like like Pasternak, just the Boston Celtics in general. I just don't think that they wanted to be there. And you know what? What's interesting is I love, and this is going to be a, a really petty thing, and, and Ray's going to love this comment, but I, I did love when Tuku was like, oh, it just doesn't feel right. It's hockey in July. And it's like, well, you know what? In the Southern Hemisphere, that's winter, and that's when they would play hockey. So get over yourself and get on the ice. Unless there's a real emergency, which there seemingly was, so but I just think that (laughs) right, exactly. When they came back, they just weren't they just weren't all there, and and it showed through the playoffs. and And I just hope that there isn't a similar mentality. It doesn't look like there's a similar mentality this year. But I just hope there isn't.
2: I just just to to put a punctuation mark on this on the sentence of the Bruins, right? It doesn't look like that this year because there's been no adversity. We know what happens when Tuca hits adversity. He crumbles historically, so don't do that this year. Prove me wrong. Prove us all wrong. If you do that, if there are skids in this season where it looks bad, like the, it maybe they, they lose three games and then two pitches, you know, just pitches a shutout, and then he does it again. He's the reason why you are you, you start winning again. All right, then you show me that sure. you know you're in. You, you're in, and so we need one of those moments. I don't know if we're gonna get it because the offense is clicking so well. If we do, and he proves us wrong, great. But I just have this feeling, man. I just don't believe in him. I don't.
1: Well, we'll see what happens. There's plenty of season left in the NBA and in the NHL, and we're going to watch it unfold, and we'll be here every week to tell you guys about it. Ray,
0: did you remember what you were going to say earlier? I did not, but I'm looking at the Celtics blow another freaking game. I'll tell you that. That's that's probably what it was tied to. You know, I love it. You know, you're right there. You're up by one. And I said, yeah. Well, I said, what could go wrong? And they just can't score. They cannot deliver. Brad Stevens, you blow. Denny <laughs> I'm sick. I'm sick of it, Joe. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm sick of that team. I'm sick of them acting like, you know, they've arrived and they haven't. Brad Stevens, you are not – Bill Belichick, you cannot come up there with these stoic ass answers after the game. Well, you know, you know, we, we tried to guard Luca Doncic tonight, but you know, he just wasn't. You know, it just wasn't our night, man. It's every freaking night that it's not show night, man. Damn, it's every night it's not your night. When, when is it going to be your night, Brad? Well, it's only it, it's, it's only be
1: not night? been their night sixteen of thirty one nights, right? So let's oh. give them the benefit. <laughs> oh,
2: of
0: that. that 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 makes 40, it so much forty nine percent oh, of the gosh. time.
2: I'm just gonna tell you right now that they're, nice. they're gonna win this game. <laughs> like they're they're going
1: to well the the listeners who have made it this far the listeners who have made it this far will already know, but something I want to bring up, guys, and I, I didn't realize it until until we were doing this show, but we still haven't mentioned it. But 13 days ago, I'll just say two weeks ago, we passed our uh, six month anniversary as a podcast. I don't know if you guys knew that.
2: Stuff. Happy anniversary! So, I just wanted to throw that out there, and I didn't, six months I, I, six thousand downloads. We'll take that. that.
1: Well, yeah, we'll absolutely take that. And I didn't get you guys anything, but I appreciate you coming in tonight, talking some Celtics and some Bruins, and of course, we as always, we appreciate. Appreciate the help of our EP uh, Craig. We know that he'll be pulling his hair out as he edits this and swearing at. No, I'm just kidding. This was actually this would be a good one for you, Craig. But again, Rayshon, welcome back to the team. We're we're glad you're on the mend and doing well.
0: We're- yeah, it was it was good to be back for uh, back for Black History Month. So I appreciate that.
2: <laughs> well, we can't go the whole month of February without you on the show, Rayshon.
1: Yeah, it, it's, it, true. It, exactly. it's true. Exactly. <laughs> it it would have been of your own accord. We were, I don't
0: know. If we right? Had no. For yeah. For sure. For sure. That, right? sure.
1: Yeah, 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 but uh, <laughs> oh god, I, I was waiting all night to say that. Uh, <laughs> he waited. He waited an hour to say that. Perfect. But for Rashawn Buchanan, Mike, do you have anything le- else to say?
2: You want me to try and follow that? No, nope, I'm
1: absolutely good. not. Mike, Mark I'm your host, Joe Malgin. We'll talk to you next time.
2: Are you passionate about saving the planet for future generations? Do you want to learn how to do it? If yes, then you need to tune in to the Nature Back Podcast. It's a talk show covering the changing world around us, from renewable energy, sustainable agriculture, circular economy, to ESG and social innovation. Don't miss this opportunity to discover how you can join the movement and make a difference. Subscribe to the Pack podcast today on your favorite platform and get ready to be amazed.
0: Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of US politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest an Electric Cast production. Electric House.